Don't get mad. Get media. Mad Pod. Rare celebrity interviews. Indie music. MadPod.com. Your global audio internet connection. Coming up on MadPod.com. All right. It is show 100 here at MadPod.com. It is the big milestone. And we have Carly Simon on today in MadPod show 100. Your global audio internet connection. J.A. Donnelly and Shadow Steel. MadPod.com. Don't get mad. Get media. MadPod.com. All right. Jay Dolly with you at MadPod.com. And today is show 100. All right. It's been a long time. Uh, unbelievable. Thank you for listening. And if you're subscribed, great. If you're not, go to the front page of MadPod.com and click the little button on the right-hand side. It'll take you to iTunes, and you'll be subscribed for future shows. That's right. But anyway, uh, we have a, a change of plans in today's uh, show. We're not going to have uh, Carly Simon on. Instead, we're going to have Newman on from Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm kidding! I'm joking! Of course, we're going to have Carly Simon on. That's coming up next. But if you'd like to send some comments to us, please uh, send it over to madpod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling generous, please go to the front page and hit the donate button because bandwidth costs money and we do this for free. That's right. All right. Keep on listening. And here is show 100 at madpod.com. Don't get mad. Get media. Madpod. Rare. Celebrity interviews. Indie music. Madpod.com. Your global audio internet connection. Coming up on Madpod.com. This is Jay Dolly from Madpod.com. We have a rare interview with Carly Simon, her first interview in 23 years, and you can hear it here at MadPod. Now, because of the impeccable research used in the preparation of this interview, I know you've been waiting for 35 years to tell me who your soul vein is written about. So go ahead, Carly. About Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Anything else for us, Carly? I think you've got an awful lot, and I don't know how you, you're going to do this balancing act because you have so much information about old songs, and you have more information about me than I've ever had. So I don't know quite how you're going to present this, but it sounds like an exciting life that I've led. Your global audio internet connection. J.A. Donnelly and Shadow Steel. Don't get mad. Get media. Mad pod. Pod people taking over. MadPod.com. Hi, Shadow. It's uh, Carly Simon. Carly, how are you, my dear? Thank you so much for calling. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thanking me. <laughs> Born in New York City and joining us live from Martha's Vineyard off the southern coast of Massachusetts, vocalist, author, and prolific songwriter Carly Simon. Welcome, Carly. What a pleasure. I am such a fan. Thank you. I'm a fan of yours, too. Thank you so much. You have had some of the biggest pop songs of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but you and Lucy were originally part of the folk duo The Simon Sisters, placing a chart hit with Wink and Blink and a Nod back in April of 1964. Now, it was actually quite some time, however, before your self-entitled debut album hit the airwaves in February of 1971. What were you doing in between that five-year time span? Well, I was... When I was singing with my sister, we were both students, and and we were we were sort of going from school and taking the train down into the city and going into the village and where there was a very lively folk scene, and we would carry our guitars and and uh, wear the same dresses and get up on stage and play four chords and 
and sing eight songs, and that was and that was basically it. But but four times a night, and we had it. We, we had that hit with Wink and Wink and a Nod, and then. Um, let's see, we went to London, we sang in London in 1965, we came back, Lucy got married in 1966, and I became, um, I became a secretary for, for a man who had uh, a production company that had um, a television show called From the Bitter End. So I was, I was backstage getting the tea for Marvin Gaye, and for all of, all of the, all the all the people that would sing on the from the bitter end show so so i was basically um you know i was a gopher now before we look back you've got a lot on tap over the next few months firstly a new dual disc cd dvd on sony music columbia records moonlight serenade plus a standing room only roster of tour dates carly tell us about your collection of standards featuring such perennials as i've got you under my skin written by cole porter originally a number three hit for ray noble back in 1936 and my favorite i only have eyes for you a 1950s flamingos classic but originally a number two song on the hit parade by ben selvin in 1934's movie musical dames with joan blondell Carly, how did you narrow down the package to these selected tracks? Were these childhood songbook favorites? These these songs were songs that I have known for ages, and and when I got together with Richard Perry and we tried to to decide what songs to do, we we came up with a list of about a hundred that we both really loved that I hadn't covered before on any of my other standards albums because this is my fourth one, and. Um, and we went down the list, and we, you know, sort of decided which would be best for my voice, which would be, which, which lyrics I connected to, you know, most with, which kind of productions would suit horns the best because this is really a big band album. If it hadn't been called Moonlight Serenade, it would have been called Foxtrot because they're all, it's all about dancing. Um, this, you know, this kind of period, the way they danced, which was they usually had a. Um, horn players on stage and then they had a girl singer that was well integrated in the band it didn't take up any more space than any of the other musicians and wasn't necessarily noticed more than the horn player or the or the pianist and so we just kind of picked songs that would that had that flavor of of a glenn miller band and and uh, what a night in june might look like on stage out under a moon you know, singing these songs with people dancing and Maestro Richard Perry back again. This must have felt like a musical homecoming. It did. It was really quite, you know, quite um, a fun reunion. And we've always gotten along really well. We can always, um, we can always get the best out of each other, and we take the Mickey out of each other, which is very important too. So we're really, we're just, we're, we have a, we have a sister and brother like love for each other. You know, so so we can yell at each other and it can be fine the next minute. There was a great photo layout in the latest In Style magazine. What a fantastic array of color and texture at your Manhattan Pieta Terre. Now, I was still under the impression you lived at the Dakota across the hall from Yoko and John Lennon. When did you move? I never lived there. I never I never lived in the Dakota. I lived in in an apartment up the street from the Dakota. It's it's the next apartment of. Uh, you know, it's the next apartment up, but um, I didn't. I didn't live in the Dakota. In fact, I tried to. I tried to move into the Dakota into this tiny little one-room apartment about two years ago, and I was. Um, 
and I was not allowed. I wasn't passed by the board. Amazing. An incredible complement of musicians, Vincent Dionafrio on guitar, Mike Thompson on piano, Fender Rhodes, and even synthesizer, and Lee Thornburg on both trumpet and trombone, with help from Andy Chukerman on synthesizer and drummer John Ferraro. Carly, is it Richard's job as producer to choose the studio musicians? Well, Rich, it's, it's not necessarily Richard's job, but let's just say he did it. And what a great cast of musicians. It certainly is. They're just great. And I, and I, you know, got to, I got to play with them in, uh, in New York, too. And when I was, um, I did a couple of, of shows in New York on uh, Good Morning America and The View and uh, CBS Morning Show. And so, so I got to, you know, I got to play with them again. And then some of them came on the Queen Mary 2 show with, you know, with, with me, which was, I, I don't know if you know about that. The album was taken from, the, the show, the DVD was, was uh, taken from that. So that was, that was really fun. We only had two weeks to prepare. And then all of a sudden we were on the Queen Mary 2 and it was leaving from New York and going to Southampton, England. And we did a show. Um, we basically had a few days to rehearse in New York and then we did the show and we filmed it on board the ship as as it was in motion, even though the sea was very calm the entire way over. I was hoping for a little bit more motion so that there'd be a little bit more drama and at least one drink would have fallen off the stage or off you know somebody's table, but it was very calm. It, I mean, it could have been done in dry dock. But yes, we filmed it for, for a PBS, for a PBS show that is going to be shown during the during the fundraising winter season, the uh, Christmas fun you know fundraising series. Now, Carly Simon on tour, and there's two phrases you don't hear paired much together. Jazz at Lincoln Center in the Frederick P. Rose Hall, New York City. Multiple dates at the Borgata, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Constitution Hall in the nation's capital, and playing the Palace, Cleveland. Your last set of road dates was in 1995. Other than studio recording, are you pretty much a homebody these days, Carly? Well, I love to I love to record in the studio, and I and I have um, I did two scores for two different Walt Disney movies, and each each took me two years, and I did them I did them both at home. So it's I have fun with my little my little unsophisticated equipment in my studio here on on Martha's Vineyard, and um, I recorded. A Winnie the Pooh. I recorded two Winnie Winnie the Pooh albums, the uh, voices of all of the characters, the singing voices of all the characters, and I wrote the music for it. Madpod.com. Madpod.com. I'm James Donnelly. Don't get mad. Get media. This is Jay Dolly from Madpod.com. We have a lot of good things happening on our show. Anyway, do you know what candy floss is? Yeah. Can you explain what candy floss is? It's the white, or it's the pink fluffy stuff that you eat when you go to the carnival or the fun fair. We have interviews from people from the past and present, such as Barry McGuire. You remember Walter Murphy? Pat Travers. Legendary folk pop singer, songwriter, guitarist Gordon Lightfoot. Gordon, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you, Shadow. How about Kevin Dubrow from Quiet Riot? Record companies were stupid then. They're stupid now. They'll always remain stupid because commerce and art don't really meet very well. It's a, it's War. Also, rare exclusive interviews from people like David Soul, his first interview in 10 years. So join me, Jay Donnelly of Shadow Steel, for Podsafe music and rare interviews at madpod.com. And remember, don't get mad, get media. Madpod.
Live with a person who needs no introduction, Carly Simon. Carly, let's listen back. The leadoff track, That's the Way I've Always Heard It Should Be, reached top 10 June 5, 1971. Actually, an anti-marriage ballad co-written by Jacob Brackman. Was that a personal statement? People very often get the message of that song wrong, and they think that it's a, a pro-marriage song, and they want me to sing it at, you know, at their wedding. And it's really funny because it's a very ironic song about marriage, and it's rather bleak. Um, you know, it just it sets the stage with my father sits at night with no lights on, his cigarette glows in the dark, and then in another room is my mother sitting and reading her magazines, and I hear her call sweet dreams, but I forget how to dream. And then the chorus, but you say it's time we moved in together. So, so it's a song that's 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 quite harsh and quite cynical about marriage and people do take take it um you know to mean something that it's not your second release anticipation on electro and gold and you won a grammy for best new artist with the title track single hitting number 13 pop january 1st 1972 i remember hearing that song in a reincarnated form when used for two seasons by the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania-based Heinz Corporation in their Slowest Ketchup in the West, East, North, and South campaign on network television. What instant recognition. Very good. I'm very proud of you. Carly, tell us about your past work with producer Richard Perry, who brought No Secrets to the top of the Billboard charts with You're So Vain, scoring a number one hit for three straight weeks pop and two weeks adult contemporary Christmas Week 1972, with Mick Jagger performing backing vocals. If memory serves me correctly, Perry also had a great run in the mid-'80s with the Pointer Sisters. Richard Perry has had many, many hits, many hits throughout the years. He also, um, you know, he's produced Barbara Streisand and Harry Nielsen, and he's, I mean, I, I, I can tell that, you know, from your interview with me that you're really, that you're mainly interested in chart positions. I'm I'm much more interested in the quality of you know of the music that's being played as as opposed to where they get on the charts. But Richard has had I mean he's had many hits whether or not they're top top ten you know on Billboard or not. But he's 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 worked with a lot of interesting people, including including Rod Stewart on his American Songbook albums. I must comment on the bedroom tapes. What a personal collection of songs, namely Scar. Yes, well, that's that's a song that I'm, I'm actually hoping hoping to perform that live in the in the uh, shows. Um, it's a it's a hard it's a hard song for me to play because it's it is very um, it's very intimate and it's uh, you know it's a personal song unlike a lot of my songs which take which take information from different you know, from different people and then I sort of embrace them all and put them all into my own writing style and and into a personal voice. But Scar has a has a special meaning to me and I'm and I and I'm glad that you recognize it. Have you heard it? I have. Good. Pod show. Content that will make you squeeze the dog and burp your mother. Madpod.com. I'm James Donnelly. Don't get mad. Get media. Madpod. Hi, this is Jay Donnelly from Madpod.com, and we are thrilled that we are on Adam Curry's daily source code, and he is the pod father of podcasting. That's like being on Leno for television. But he really liked our Barry Manilow interview. Podcasting almost live. 
Adam Curry. But it sounds interesting. I definitely want to hear the Barry Man. I, I like Barry Manilow stuff. He really likes Barry. I, I like Barry Manilow stuff. And uh, I slowed it down, made it into a ballad, and um, that's what he was hearing. So does that mean that Adam Curry listens to Matt Pod? But it sounds interesting. I definitely want to hear the Barry Man. I, I like Barry Manilow. MadPod.com. Hi, this is Shadow Steel, and you're listening to your global audio connection, MadPod.com. This is Jay Donald. So check out MadPod.com. We have interviews from the past and present. So remember, don't get mad, get media. MadPod. Shadow Steel, everybody. That's a disco jockey name. <laughs> I think there are 25 Shadow Steels running around the country right MadPod.com. So, Adam, what about me, man? What about me, Jay Donnelly? I'm the one who made the promo. I'm the one who sent you the promo. Me, Jay Donnelly from MadPod.com. Not Shadow Steel. Uh, Shadow's my partner. It's all about getting exposure for more shows, right? Uh, MadPod.com. Jay Donnelly, everybody, along with Shadow Steel and MadPod. <laughs> Actually, after I said that, that uh, that probably wasn't the original Shadow Steel. I got a, an email that says, what are you even talking about? I am the only Shadow Steel. I think it was probably Shadow Stevens I was thinking of. Okay, let's do one more time. Jay Donnelly, Shadow Steel with a mad pod. <laughs> live with legendary author and singer-songwriter Carly Simon, who joins us live from Martha's Vineyard off the coast of southern Massachusetts. Now, in 1974, you remade the 1963 Inez and Charlie Fox tune Mockingbird, whose melody was adapted from the same traditional folk tune as was the song Bo Diddley, this top five hit from Hot Cakes. Why a remake at this point, Carly? Was this part of the former playlist from your Simon Sisters days? <laughs> it's funny. Um, I, I don't know that it's actually the same melody as the original as the Bo Diddley one. And was that the original, original? Yes, it was. Or, but, um, I mean, who wrote the lullaby version of it? Again, according to the history books, an 1846 folk version. That's the hush, little baby, don't say... That is correct. And, and then what version did Bo Diddley do? Actually, his song, Bo Diddley's Bo Diddley, was the same traditional folk tune based on the original folk tune. Well, then I guess I've missed out on Bo's version, and I just heard Charlie and Inez Fox's version, so I am going to have to go back to my history books and to my, and to my uh, old records and see if I have it. But I would be very curious to hear that, that version. But, but James's and my version was added to also. He added um, another verse. James, James added another verse to it. Um, and the ride with the tide and go with the flow that you know that whole part and we I remember we had to call up and get get the permission to add it by the by the original publishers who I guess we thought were were Charlie and Inez Fox's publishers but perhaps it does go back to Bo and then to 1837 so I don't know who you have to ask see I gave you a homework assignment from this interview already you sure have how did you like the country remake by Toby Keith and his daughter, Crystal? Of Mockingbird? Yes. I haven't heard that. I'm going to have to send you a lot of these on a wave file. Well, you're going to have to send them to me and also send me just all of your information that you have on an email just so that, so that I have it. I mean, you, you know the, the years that the Cole Porter tune, I Got You Under My Skin, was on the charts. I mean, I would have no, no knowledge of that if you hadn't told me. Well, you can tell that this program is certainly well-researched after 20 years of being on the air, Carly. Very well. I'm extremely impressed. Thank you so much. 
Its follow-up has become such an AM and FM radio classic. Haven't got time for the pain with James Taylor on acoustic guitar. Was it easy to write with James Carley? Well, I didn't write that song with James. But was it easy to write with him? We only wrote a few songs together. And it was, um, there, was, there was a certain dash of, of competition between us. And, um, and that only excited the writing process. You know, it made it much, uh, you know, much more delicious. And James was such a soloist, it was hard to get him to work with me. Uh, but whenever I did, it was always, um, you know, it was, it, it was a very, very exciting process. Don't get mad. Get media. Mad Pod. Rare. Celebrity interviews. Indie music. MadPod.com. Your global audio internet connection. Coming up on MadPod.com. This is Jay Donnelly from MadPod.com. We have a rare interview with Carly Simon, her first interview in 23 years, and you can hear it here at MadPod. Now, because of the impeccable research used in the preparation of this interview, I know you've been waiting for 35 years to tell me who your soul vein is written about. So go ahead, Carly. About Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Anything else for us, Carly? I think you've got an awful lot, and I don't know how you, you're going to do this balancing act because you have so much information about old songs, and you have more information about me than I've ever had. So I don't know quite how you're going to present this, but it sounds like an exciting life that I've led. Your global audio internet connection. J.A. Donnelly and Shadow Steel. Don't get mad. Get media. Mad Pod. Pod people taking over. MadPod.com. Live with legendary author and singer-songwriter Carly Simon, who joins us live from Martha's Vineyard off the coast of southern Massachusetts. Carly, a truly great record hit AM airwaves in late May 1975, with perhaps my favorite of all time, Attitude Dancing, reaching number 21 pop billboard. Actually, a song that received more airplay than chart action probably due to its catchy, wordy run-on. I didn't know. I did, you know what? You're telling me all of these things I don't know. I feel like I have to take some breaths here. We're going to have to reschedule this so you can do your homework. I know. Let's see, Attitude Dancing. It was, that, that was always a song that was a problem for me to sing. Is that a fact? Yeah, so I, I, I really, um, I never sang that live because it was, um, I, we, we actually cut that, I, you know, I recorded that with Richard Perry as the producer and we never cut it in the right key it was always too high for me so if a song is in, not in the right key for you it just doesn't sit well uh in you know in your in your voice and everything seems like it's happening too fast and and um I never really I mean I love the song but I always wish that I could recut that that would be one that I would like to redo Carly, how did you get the job of writing and performing the biggest James Bond film hit, Nobody Does It Better, from The Spy Who Loved Me, mid-August 1977? Get this, seven weeks at number one adult contemporary, three weeks at number two pop. I remember listening to 77 WABC AM in New York City here in eastern Pennsylvania. That summer when they played that record every hour for months straight, that tune runs the gamut from soft, lush piano to a fully orchestrated crescendo complete with horns and strings. What a great record that is. It sure is. I'm very, very proud of that record. It was a, it's not my song. It's a, it's a song that was written by Carol Bayer Sager and Marvin Hamlish. And um, it was, I guess, their idea. It was Carol and, Mar and Marvin's idea to ask me to sing it for 
to film it, or at least to audition it for Cubby Broccoli, who was the producer of the James Bond movies. And so one day Marvin came to my home and just, you know, played it. I was very pregnant with Ben, and he played it for me, and I sang it, and and it was pretty much sealed with the kiss. And on the heels of the 007 tune came another big hit from yet another huge box office grocer, Heartburn, starring Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson from mid-December 1986. What a great song, Carly. Coming around again. Yes, I love that song. And and that's, uh, I mean, again, the people involved with the movie, the producer and the director, asked me to do that song as opposed to any record company executive. It was it was Mike Nichols and Nora Ephron, who was, who was the writer of that film. And they approached me asking me if I'd like to write a song, if I'd like to write the score for the movie. And that was the first score that I ever wrote for a film. I would be remiss if we did not feature one of the most requested songs of the 80s, another cleverly descriptive up-tempo hit called Jesse from Labor Day weekend 1980. This number 11 pop smash, your first on Electra's sister company, Warner Brothers. Same family of labels. Why the switch? Um, probably it was time to make a contractual switch, and it seemed as if there would be more um, energy coming from a, from a new company. Which brings us to some of my favorites on Clive Davis's Arista label at the time, coming around again, debuting in early March 1987. And probably my all-time favorite record of all time from Have You Seen Me Lately, Better Not Tell Her. That song actually has two different hooks. Airing late September 1990, the lavish instrumentation complete with the Spanish guitar accents is absolutely haunting, Carly. I love that song. I really think that that was a, a, a very, um, it was an exciting song to write. It's, you know, it's sort of about um, illicit love, and it's, um, and, then, and then it's very, the video that I did of that has, has Spanish dancers on a beach, and... Um, and then I actually got to wear a Spanish dress in it, too, and take a couple of twirls on the beach next to a bonfire and some fantastic guitarists. It was a very, it's, it's a very, um, you know, kind of uh, exotic, exotic song that was produced exotically. You know, the variations of your recordings are never predictable, from hits like You Belong to Me with James Taylor on backing vocals to the smooth treatment on Devoted to You, both from the summer of 1978. You know, Carly, your writing certainly doesn't follow a formula, not even a musical progression, it seems. No, I think I think that there is a lot of variety, and, and as we talked about before, it's because of what I, what I grew up with. I grew up with many different forms of music that were equally appreciated, and and uh you know performed in my household from you know from my mother singing the brahms requiem i mean the Bra- the brahms lullaby to me when when she was holding me in her arms as a baby to all of the musical all the musical comedies that we that we would go to and then we would listen to the records as soon as we got home and then to to early early um uh you know pop music like the like elvis and then the beatles and then the stones and then and then folk music and my singing with my sister in the folk days. And you know, so there were so many influences. Plus there was Peggy Lee, who I used to listen to a great deal, and Lambert Hendrickson Ross, the jazz, the jazz element. So you fuse all of these things together and you throw in a little bit of Janis Joplin and, and a little bit of Cat Stevens, or actually a lot of Cat Stevens. And you, you, know, you come away with a, with, with a, with a big bank to like, you know, go into and, 
and take take your uh, you know take out your savings and then redistribute it in a slightly different way. Carly, do you ever spend time at your island store, Midnight Farm? I've seen so much press on this for years. Your partner, Tamara Weiss, also published a book under your imprint with some culinary recipes. Yes, it's a, it's a terrific book. It's, uh, it's, called, it's called Potluck at Midnight Farm. And um, yes, I spend a lot of time at Midnight Farm. In fact, I'm on my way down there practically as we speak or as soon as we hang up. And um, yes, I, she has the, the most beautiful, beautiful items that she finds from all over the world, and and I sometimes help her with finding certain certain things. And and she is just a fit, she's a terrific partner. Her name is actually pronounced Tamara, and she and I have been great friends since we were practically in the womb together. And um, it's a it's just a terrific store, and it's unique in that it's not anywhere else it hasn't it doesn't have a boston uh extension or a new york extension or it's not even online yet it's just on martha's vineyard on this one street and it's probably the best small department store in the world how many books have you authored to date carly your roster runs from amy the dancing bear back in the summer of 89 to your anthology scrapbook oh yeah i guess i've written quite quite a few books i mean i've I've written five children's books, and are you talking about the scrapbooks that I've that I've written with my photographs in them? Actually, books in general. Um, well, I guess just five children's books that I've that have been uh, published. Now, because of the impeccable research used in the preparation of this interview, I know you've been waiting for thirty-five years to tell me who your so vain is written about. So go ahead, Carly. It's about Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Anything else for us, Carly? I think you've got an awful lot, and I don't know how you, you're going to do this balancing act because you have so much information about old songs, and you have more information about me than I've ever had. So I don't know quite how you're going to present this, but it's, it's, it sounds like an exciting life that I've led. And you forgot my opera, but that's okay. I did not, and you know what else I forgot? I wanted to get to the opera, and also I forgot that Ben and Sally opened for you. Boy, talk about keeping this performance in the family. Yes, Ben and Sally are opening for me, and they're both... I mean, I can't even talk enough about them, so you don't want to get me started, but they are about as talented as any two people I've ever, ever known. And um, they're just, just brilliant. They, you know, they both play guitar and sing and write their own songs and do their own thing and many things at that. They're both incredible, and I'm so happy to have them on stage with me because then I don't have to do too much. How about a brief synopsis of the opera? Oh, it's, it's, it's called Romulus Hunt. And it's about a little boy who's who um, who has to live between his his divorced parents and their very different lifestyle. And he and he sort of goes insane trying to be who his mother wants him to be, and then who his father wants him to be. And you know, meeting up with his imaginary friend somewhere in between who advises him to be himself. Legend Carly Simon, Carly, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us. And please keep in touch. I am a true fan. Well, you certainly, you certainly seem to be, and I appreciate that tremendously. Thank you so much. A pleasure speaking with you, Carly. Thank you, Shadow. Bye-bye, Carly. Bye. All right, Jay Dolly, back with you here at MadPod.com, and we'd like to thank Carly Simon for taking the time out to uh, sit down with us in Shadow Steel and uh, to have a very rare uh, interview up front here for a bunch of nobodies. No, just kidding. 
But, uh, you know, she did some TV, The View, and things like that in Good Morning America, and uh, Shadow is the man. Uh, so, you know, send your comments over to us at madpod at gmail.com. Stay subscribed on the front page on the right-hand side. If you can, please also take the uh, audience uh, survey. And if you're feeling generous, please donate because we need food to continue to do what we're doing here at madpod.com. All right, it's Jay Dolly with you until next time. This is show 100. Please stick around next time. And I, uh, I guess I have to go feed the moose. All right, bye-bye. Time to feed the moose. Okay, guys, let's go.